Hello, welcome to episode number 200 of the Apologue Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. It's been a four-year journey, four years of weekly podcasts, of meeting people for the first time, getting to know old friends again, and having good experiences. And today is no different. Today is one of the special episodes. I've jokingly said, how many times can I ask Dave Bedini to be on this show? And the answer is 100, about 100 times. So here we are, episode number 200 with Mr. Dave Bedini. This episode is brought to you in part by BetterHelp.com. You can get a affordable private online counseling anytime, anywhere. Talk with a licensed professional therapist online. Start your free seven-day trial with the code word APOLOG. Go to betterhelp.com slash APOLOG for more information. I'd like to thank everybody for helping me out and shopping on Amazon, helping the show out. You too can do the same thing by going to APOLOG.ca slash Amazon or APOLOG.ca slash US Amazon. You can do it the old-fashioned way by going to apologue.ca. Click on those banners located on the right side. Locate your country. And every time you shop on Amazon, use the bookmarks you've made, and you'll be shopping on Amazon, supporting the show, and it will cost you no extra money. If you want to help the show out on a monthly basis, you can go to patreon.com, pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees, and you can cancel at any time. You can buy a t-shirt by going to apologue.ca slash shop. Buy some music there too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash pod. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Today is a very exciting day. Not only is it the 200th episode, but it's my one of the busiest people. Mr. Dave Bedini is the author of 13 books. His most recent, Midnight Light, is a personal journey to the north, has just come out. And he was just up in my town doing a reading and and an interview, and that's how I got a hold of him. He's worked as a journalist for the Toronto Star and the Globe and Mail, and he's worked in television and movies. He's also the... He's also the co-founder of Canada's Rio Statics. He's been in the music business for over 40 years, and he's been a busy, busy guy. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show. You know him. I know him. Here he is, Mr. Dave Bedini on the Apple Out Podcast. This is my 200th episode. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to think, you're the first person in a band that I wrote a letter to that I got a reply. I wrote you in like 1990 mm-hmm. and you wrote me back. And that was like the most, <laughs> I mean, it's cool. Because all the, t- you know what I mean? I love writing letters to people. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you're pretty good at it. It's fun. It's a fun way to kill the time on the road too. Do you still... Do you still pen letters? Is this a thing or is this... Is yeah, this- I haven't for a while, I must say, um, being totally honest. I'd like to think that I write more postcards and letters than I do, but um, it's been a while. Yeah, because that's what I would get is a postcard. And I think mm-hmm. there's a time when it would I'd send a letter and they would get a postcard. And it was like, it would, I mean, it's kind of... They're artifacts. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, and people... Occasionally people will come and uh, have, show them to us. 
<laughs> show them to me letters that they or postcards that they got yeah, yeah. that was cool on the road too because you'd go go through town and uh you'd go to uh like a you know bookstore or junk shop and uh i just collect postcards right like old buy old postcards because i knew that i would mail them out to fans and so i found some beautiful things yeah. in some strange places across the country yeah uh, this these old um in Sudbury, I found like these beautiful boxes, long boxes with like bathing beauty postcards from the fifties and oh. crepe paper um, in these boxes, and they're they're gorgeous. I mm-hmm. still have a lot of those left, mm-hmm. but yeah, so it, was, it kind of forced you to get out and into the town and yeah. find out what kind of junk was lying around that yeah. might be valuable to you. Yeah, and postcards are there's a certain amount of real estate you can handle. You can totally. You can't say too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have so to you be have economical. to be. You have to totally. be like choosy with your words. You know, exactly. So we're here. You know, because I remember when I was a kid, my my brother wrote to Rush. And he wrote a letter, and he mm-hmm. got like a a tight no like a formed letter sure from the management or something yeah, yeah you know and it was during the permanent waves time so they were like recording right. permanent waves so it's like they were busy here's what we're doing we're doing this and this is and he was the most excited person on earth because amazing you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and it is it, it's a very good i mean it's it's kind of long gone a little bit now with how like a communication is mm-hmm. when it totally to be able to write a letter it is true about, you know, people say, oh, I can connect with my artist or I can connect with this person. And it is true that you can connect kind of immediately with some people on Twitter um, and other social media. But uh, before you could connect, mm-hmm. it was just took, it just took up yeah. the time to, you know, write, lick the stamp, put the stamp in the mailbox and have that mailbox delivered by another human to, to the, the human on the other end. Yeah. So it's not like it never happened. I think people of a certain generation get a sense that it never happened, <laughs> but it happened. That's true. Communication. Yes. And it's, and it's, it's, but as a band, like to tour around and to meet people who appreciate your band, you guys are really good at sort of keeping connections and understanding where you were because you toured so much and you mm-hmm. traveled so much and you met so many people and every time you know when when someone would meet you it felt like i know you and you know, were, were kind of the same type of people yeah you know fans are and people who like mu- people who like music are so important to bands mm-hmm. and to culture and to life and and art i mean um and uh i was just always so grateful those early tours that anyone came <laughs> to see us play yeah and, you know, in those early days, like I remember we played in Calgary at the Republic, Republic? the first time. Well, the Westward Inn. It was, well, we did play the Westward okay. too, too, yeah. That was a let's lost to my, um, the darkness of my memory, but. Um, <laughs> With Wes. Just, it was great. I mean, the Westward was great because it was, you actually got rooms, which yeah. was beautiful and they fed you and stuff too, but the, it was a weird room and I don't think we did really did that well, but I remember the Republic, um, how, you know, that one show we did there was 14 people in the crowd and we all seemed to i think we passed around a microphone during one of the songs and we had each people kind of direct the song (laughs) asking what they demanded of the song and we would respond but i can still remember i still know four or five people from that very gig like by the end of the night you knew everybody's name of course yeah 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 that was the first time i ever played in calgary was there with down by law Mm -hmm. dave smalley down by law and that was an interesting night because it was a punk rock show and it was it was um we decided that it'd be fun to throw the telephone book into the pool. And uh, Wes's like, why are you guys throwing the telephone book in the pool? And I'm like, how do you know it was us? He goes, the number of the hotel rooms on the telephone book. Love it. He's like, we're morons. (laughs) (laughs) We are so stupid. That's funny. I don't remember Wes, but I think I remember 
I can remember the three dudes who ran the Republic. I can remember what they looked like. I know one guy's name was Dave. Yeah. Anyways, they're kind of coming back to me just visually here, but I can't place the names. But yeah. they were great guys. Yeah, we did lots of SNFU shows there. Yeah, lot, sure. At the Republic. For sure. Lots. And, and uh, I, I played there a few times too with Red Fisher when mm-hmm. we go through. And that was, yeah. But Wes had the bad sweater. He always had a bad sweater. And it was like a Cosby sweater. Always a Cosby sweater. I shouldn't say Cosby anymore. Huh. <laughs> but it was bad sweater. Um, so... So touring in Real Statics was what? How many years from eighty? Our first gig, our first gig was in nineteen eighty, but we didn't yeah. really tour till eighty seven. I yeah, suppose eighty six, yeah. eighty seven, and then really kind of got notoriety sort of in the early nineties, and then yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I saw I saw you guys at the Elma Combo, mm-hmm. and it was one of the residen- residencies upstairs, <clears throat> and uh, I hadn't seen you guys play before. Uh, and I, you did Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. and it was it was full house. But for some reason, I wasn't on any hallucinogens or anything <laughs> or, or drinking. But I remember at the very end, Martin did this crazy thing at the end that was mm-hmm. just like I'm like, what the f- is going on right now? So on I went guitar, yeah. closer and closer and closer. I ended up as far as away as we are, and I was like, what is happening? What's going on right now? And I remember just and you guys had already just you're gone, and he was still playing stuff, and it was really special moment i'll never forget it mm. because it was like i can walk right up here and and see what's happening and, and you know. that was fun the song would end like i mean it, that was one of the um things that uh, one of the privileges i think we had um with the band that kind of band and and also just that kind of song because we would play this song mm-hmm. it would take 12 minutes to perform and then we would finish it, and then there was another 12 minutes still to come. <laughs> and that was on, yeah, that was Martin playing with his early uh, effects uh, unit. And um, he had a little tiny Ibanez, very thin effects unit that was really nothing cutting edge or nothing. It might have been when it first came out at the time, but it was actually quite um, out of date um, in that time in the 90s. But it was faithful. It never broke down. Mm-hmm. And that's was his prime kind of reverb prime effects rig that he would use and he would loop into itself and it was very actually very modern what he would do but that was fun to just like kind of let him just go you know yeah soundscapes yeah and did you guys when when you'd play a song you'd kind of maybe go off the beaten path a little bit yeah all the time and that was to keep it interesting or is that just just because that was a thing you did it's just exploring sound and exploring a lot of bands can do that yeah well that's true and that's i mean that but i mean think you have those um, abilities at your disposal, but you might as well. Mm-hmm. Like you have musicians that are really responsive to each other, who are playful, mm-hmm. who um, have the ability, almost like jazz musicians, to kind of go into different places and then bring it back and yeah, stuff too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember seeing Dave Clark's, um, he had his uh, experimental sort of band. It would be a Ted's Wrecking Yard downstairs, mm-hmm. every residency kind of thing you did every once a week or maybe once every other week. Yeah. And they'd make up stories and play. And it was, I think a lot of it's him too, kind of like just taking it and everybody's sort of just sort of, oh, that's where we're going. And it's yeah. always fun to watch. Trying to keep up and trying to not, <laughs> not, it not become a, a disaster. But that was always the best part. Even the train wrecks were the best. So, sure. You know, I mean, it's good to see. You have to let a train wreck, you have to let a train, you know, run into the side of a wall every mm-hmm. now and then. Yeah. <laughs> plane has to come down in flames and then you walk away it's like any great stand-up comedian not all the jokes land they don't need to failure is a big part of art i think in creation right Mm -hmm. i mean it really is yeah there's a lot of failure that um you never the listener or the reader never gets a chance to see Mm -hmm. because you shouldn't necessarily have to see it but sometimes it's really interesting to see because it just reminds you that people artists are human and 
people make mistakes and out yeah. of those mistakes come um you know great stuff yeah and so you were always writing at this time was this yeah time? well yeah i would have um yeah sure i would have written been writing for you know music magazines and fanzines from you know whatever that since i was 14 years old mm-hmm. and so i kept doing that definitely while we were while we were happening and even in from 91 to 93 I had a column in the Toronto Star and so I did that you know I would tour with a little um Underwood typewriter in a in a in a suitcase that I would bring on the road with me um like we had room for that but anyways <laughs> I kept it at my feet and I would prop it open and I would type in the van basically and so, so I know it sounds like this is the 1910s but <laughs> in your stagecoach <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> Totally. But it was just a fun kind of therapeutic thing to do. And it just set, fed a part of me that um, yeah. did that I really, you know, needed to feed to get better and stuff. And yeah. that's the thing about writing you, all you need is a pencil and a paper and you can kind of just keep working on your craft, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. And do you find repetition of writing allows you or explores new things or do you just... You have to repeat. I mean, it's you like have music to, in a way, right? Yeah. You hit an epiphany and go, oh. I think you have to do it a lot, you yeah. know? Um, very few, well, very few artists in general are really good out of, out of the box and mm. just writing it was just something I had to work at to try to get good at basically. Yeah. 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 And it's the same thing with failure. It's like you, you, you write something and read it and are you your worst critic? Like when you, when you, when you write or are you allowing it to sort of breathe and, and explore where it's going? Is this... Um, or do you let an editor do that for you? <laughs> no, I'm usually pretty good now. Yeah. Um, my first couple of books were really quite sprawling and everything was in there. Mm-hmm. Every story I'd ever heard in my life. Yeah. You know, every metaphor that I thought was clever was part of the work. And then the the editor really had to do a lot of heavy lifting, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even Tropic of Hockey, which was my second book, I even, like, there's a whole section about uh, playing hockey in Ireland that didn't even make it into the book because um, they just had to thin it down so it was readable, basically. Right. Um, or it had that nice balance, and but now when I submit, it's very, very tidy. Really, yeah. Yes. Become self-editing is something you learn to do. Absolutely, it's like writing good pop songs. You know, like yeah. you, you get to you get to sort of know where you, how where to get to faster. That's right. Uh, and and where you're going and where it might not mm-hmm. land. Do you ever like write a whole day and go ah? All the time. You really? Yeah. For oh my sure. god! It sounds yeah. like such. I mean, because I I would always that's one of my things. Like writing a biography on a band to me would be like the most challenging thing for me to do. You know, I play music mm-hmm. and I, you know, I enjoy art, but writing is something that fascinates me because mm. the imagery that's created from reading a good book is something that no song, I mean, sometimes songs can create imagery as well, but there's, when you're yeah. there by yourself in your bed, reading a book and it's like, oh my God, I'm right there. Well, it's like, you know, the, um, the poem was very, very jealous of the lyric because the lyric has all of these friends around it, you know? lyric has melody and you know notes and musicianship and to support it and stuff whereas a poem stands alone and it's the same thing with prose to a point you're right it's like it really has to hold up naked you know Mm -hmm. without any kind of support or dressing or you know um it's yeah it i agree it's it's um you have to be a little bit you have to be i guess think you know self-confident i guess that what you're writing is, you know, does resonate and is 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 clear, and it's painting those kind of word pictures and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. You can't rely on any other kind of, um, you know, level of creativity or level of art, uh, you know, an art 
mm-hmm. you know, a companion to really bring it to life. So, yeah, and that, listen, you can't fake, <clears throat> I think you can kind of, you can listen to a song, you know, a garage rock song from the early 60s where stuff's out of tune, but the band's trying really hard, and you find a great charm in, in that piece of music. You can't really do that with writing. Yeah. Really. Yeah, you I mean, have, may, yeah. there's a certain rule set in a way to, to follow, or because... Everybody kind of has to think like you, and music allows people to start hypnotizing them to think like you because you're starting to play the song. That someone's going, okay. So then you can kind of create with a song, you can create the image. But I, with storytelling, I mean, you have to be kind of a pretty good storyteller to write a book, is, or, 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 or they're bad storytellers who are good authors. Well, there are, there are bad authors. There are <laughs> popular authors that, you know, aren't, aren't the most artful writers. But, um, yeah, I do think, yeah, you have to kind of, you know, like a, if I told a story right now, if I rambled on and ne- we all know people like that, rambled on, never got to the point and the story was inherently boring, but I thought it was really good, then you don't want to hear another story. So there is kind of a clarity of expression and, mm-hmm. you know, and rhythm for sure that you have to, you know, at least be able to try to get good at. I think, I think with a band, you can kind of go like, you can even see a band live and you go like, oh, they have such spirit and they're trying so hard. Like rock and roll allows things to, it can be falling apart and it can still be really great. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's true with books. Yeah. I yeah. think it has to sort of, you, you, you the author captains you through, yeah. I think. Whereas with music, it can be just a bunch of people having crazy fun and that can be great too. Yeah, yeah. I have, a, I have an idea for biography. And it's a choose-your-own-adventure style. So you have the Coles notes of the band's history that's 50 pages. And then if you want to sort of go off in other areas, they'll say, turn to page 15 to hear more about it. Is that like a Mad Lib type thing? I don't know. I just certainly, in my head, I don't know if it's a thing where, it's like, for me, it was choose-your-own-adventure when you go, oh, I want to go to page 16 to to see where the outcome of this mystery is. I thought it'd be fun in a biography. To, to sort of, you get that story and it's very condensed and it's in like 50 pages of the whole band. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to learn more about the stories and how everything fits together, then there's pages in the back you can turn to. Right. I don't know if that would be successful, but I think it would be fun. <laughs> Fun's always a good reason. Yeah, That's yeah. for sure. It'd be a fun thing to sort of explore. Mm-hmm. And I always had to be a good idea to get uh, Patrick Stewart to be the narrator of any, any book, always. I think you have to get in line for that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. So do you do the audiobook? Do you do that thing too? Or? I did an audiobook for my new book, yeah. 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 And how did you yourself do it yourself? Or I did it myself, yeah. Did Patrick Stewart do it? No. Oh. I no. Oh, well. They I think they they asked me to do it, so I said I would and We well, have a good speaking voice. Yeah, but it was tough to do. It was tough to it really was tough to read. Really? Sure. Read your own work for that long and um Keep yeah. It. Yeah. Keep it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't at all fun, but I did it, and people can hear my voice reading my work. So sure. I think that's that's something, I guess. Yeah, but absolutely. It's always good coming from the author. It's nothing I will ever listen to in my life. Oh, really? Nah. <laughs> you can't put it under your pillow and go, "Oh, this is." Well, know. especially after you finish a book, you know, you spend four years writing a book, and then you have to you have to spend two weeks reading it. Really, you just end up being aware of the mistakes at that point. Oh, so you're like, oh, this is already in print. So uh, if you could. And I never, like when I'm writing, I'm not, never reading the stuff aloud or anything like that. It's a different different vibe. Completely. Well, yeah, because then you become your, your own worst critic because now you're hearing it, you're reading it, and it's like. Yeah, I, I mean, the books are not written to be read aloud. They're written to be read, you know, in the, in the 60s 
safety of one's consciousness, really. Yeah. You know, absolutely. that voice you hear in your head. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, it sounds like you're not a big fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a big fan of me doing it. No, basically. okay. Yeah, yeah. No. So, when how many books have you written? This is 13 for 13 me. 13 books. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because it was only seemed like a, a year ago that Anna Cold wrote right. that, that I read. 1998, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was like, that was a neat idea because it was your stories intertwined with, mm. you know, was that a thing that, obviously a conscious effort to, was it you're putting your stories with other, you know, Canadian rock stars? P- yeah, not even rock stars, really. Yeah. People that um, achieved, achieved just anything at an earlier, yeah. they achieved something at an earlier time in music, really. Yeah. There were some names in there too, but a lot of names that people discovered, I think, through the book. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. yeah it was just an idea to to talk about, you know, as we were touring the country for the first time and then opening for the hip in 96 about how, you know, our relationships were uh, different or similar to those who'd gone out decades before us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I hear um, Joey Shithead talk about touring to Thunder Bay when you're talking about driving on dirt roads. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> and they were still probably, well, I mean, well, I was up there 20 five years ago they were fixing it yeah no dirt roads anymore (laughs) at least not into town yeah yeah. around town for sure yeah so do you miss jumping in a van like this is sort of like an ongoing question in the show like do you miss the getting in the van and and taking off and Uh, i I mean i take off a lot anyways but in just different capacities i mean i was for this book i was in Yellowknife um for five months uh, in the summertime and i went back um, eight sub, eight eight times subsequently, so that's not really getting in the van, but it's also it's going thousands of miles to a place I'd never been before, mm-hmm. and actually the van doesn't exist up there because you have to fly everywhere, yeah, you know, or in some cases um travel by boat, but um yes, so what even if it's actually I prefer that to almost getting in a van really, although get I'll get in a van if I have to for sure, yeah yeah, yeah. it's the, I mean the whole part of. It's, it, it, I can equate being an author close to being like stand-up comedian where it's mm-hmm. you, you get in a car or you mm-hmm. get picked up and yep. then you get take, you go yep. somewhere and you do something and then do you miss the camaraderie of your bandmates and or do you just make your own? You must have friends all over. No, and have, I, yeah. I like, sure, I love the camaraderie of a band. Bands yeah. are awesome, mm-hmm. um, for sure. I like teams and I like bands and... Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but it also can be good when you're just by yourself, for sure. Yeah. Um, but it can be lonely. But yeah, the stand-up comedian for sure. Yeah, because it's just you, right? Mm-hmm. Traveling salesman, stand-up comedian. Is there such a thing as a traveling salesman anymore? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Like a vacuum cleaner guy comes into Oxbridge and says, "Howdy, I got me some. <laughs> Would you be interested in purchasing this new?" Bissell I know. Well, I did for our newspaper. I went door to door around the city. Yeah, and that I've never done anything like that before. And that was like, you know, just showing up on somebody's porch and knocking on their door. And getting them in all different guises and all different frame, frames of mind and all different appearances to come and open that door and look at me and have mm-hmm. them have me talk to them about what I was trying to. And I was actually trying, I was trying selling subscriptions to the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, I think, the closest that I can think of in terms of it was fun. It was interesting to be that person. Yeah. Like, who's that guy on your porch? And a couple of people were like, honey. I think it's Dave Bedini on our porch. <laughs> and, and other times I was just that person, like, what's that guy doing? And then and people would come to the door. And then once you got them, um, once they crossed, crossed the threshold, once they came out of the door frame and stood on their porch, that's when we had a very meaning, that's when the meaning filled 
meaningful kind of contact communication would happen mm-hmm. we had um you know we have a news community newspaper yes right the west end phoenix that we started last year yes okay so that's um that's what i was but i wrote for the star and then i wrote for the post for a bunch of years uh, and the reason okay. i went to Yellowknife, uh, which is the subject of my new book i went there because i worked for the paper there mm-hmm. because i had stopped working for the national post oh okay yeah because yeah. i only know you from facebook now yeah you update facebook and i go hey dave you yeah. want to be on a podcast yeah, exactly. Did you ever, you know, Justin Small from Do Make Say Think? Um, Justin Small. He, I don't know if I do. He's the main guy. We He's on the show because I'd asked you like, I don't know, a lot of I times. I know the band. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked him. I said, if Dave Bedini was on the show as many times I asked him, it would be the Simon and Dave Bedini show. That's hilarious. That's <laughs> true. Because you're so busy. You're so it's busy. hard, right. but here we are. Yeah, we're here. We're yeah. absolutely. Welcome to my town, by the way. Uh, enjoy your stay. Um, I shall. There will be tests. Uh, we are the trail capital of Canada. Okay. Did you did you know that? Nope. Uh, to me, I found that dumbfounding because I because the think, Oak Ridges. Or? I would, well, that's what they call it. I mean, because yeah. we're part of the uh, Trans Canada uh, Trail system. Okay. But I would think somewhere out in Jasper would probably have better trails. Yeah. Maybe, perhaps. Totally. <laughs> but still. Yeah, yeah. So, have you ever thought about? Are you still in the West End of Toronto? Yes. Yeah, forever, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Tokyo. Yeah. No, in the city now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, have you ever thought of moving out this way into the? Um, no, because, uh, we have a house in Toronto yeah. that we love yeah. and, um, and also because, because we do this community newspaper, that's like all our, cons- our readers are there and our writers are there, our offices are there. And so I'm pretty much pretty rooted in the West end yeah. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, we've never, my wife and I have, I mean, we, we both travel a lot anyways, so, um, we kind of figure if we, we can do that. And, and and also, it's not like we have to um, sort of buy our way into the city. We've had a place there for a long time. Yeah. If it was a different generation, you know, I was different age, different time. For sure, I could mm. see leaving, definitely. But yeah. but we're there now, so yeah, we're good. Yeah, you've been there long enough to sort of deal with the big bubble and how the real We just don't have to try to raise the money to afford a yeah, house, right? it's insane. So. Yeah, mm. we moved out 12 years ago. Yeah. We were at the east side. And we sold our house. It was like great. Mm-hmm. And then the people that just sold it sold it for over almost yeah. $2 million. That's also and great. A little post-war house. Crazy. In the middle of East York. Yep. And I think that's awesome, but it's like, when does it stop? Yeah. Like, it's so hard for young people to buy a house and we're so lucky. With it really them, is. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like how, I mean, how do you, how do you create art when you're worried about your $2,000 basement apartment. I mean, I think you do, if you, if you want to create art, you're going to create art in any environment. There are people who have been created art in far more challenging circumstances, but for sure, it's really, really, it's really tough. It's really tough. It's tragic. Yeah. And with the digital age and how things are going with, with, um, written word and things are, do you, are you, are you confident that books will live? I mean, we're in a living proof that yes, you know, like Mm -hmm. that, it's turned into like what vinyl is. It's kind of mm-hmm. niche and people love it and who love it are fervent. They love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That books and vinyl, which they're getting here, vinyl. I don't know if you know that. They're going to start putting vinyl. Yeah, in. I saw some records out there. Yeah. Did I not? Yeah. Yeah. So do, are you confident that, that literature and how things are going, like what's your, how's your feeling about it? I mean, I don't, I really, I don't think anybody really knows. Um, but, uh, you know, I've had, over you know twenty years um, more, you know people have have been predicting uh, you know the demise of the 
printed word and the demise of books and the demise of clubs and the demise of everything, the the demise of art in the face of digital technology and other things. But, um, I mean, I just start, we just started a community newspaper. We have 2000 subscribers. We're going into our second year. So, you know, we've proven that that's not necessarily the case with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we've, I've been a working musician in Canada for the last 40 years. So that happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't, I think, I think often when, you know, when changing times come, people think that, um, artists will be the first to kind of fall off. Um, and economically that is true in certain cases, but again, like I think art will always find a place. People need it. It's important. I think even as our city in Toronto grows, people are, you know, we're, our, you know, our country, our culture, everything, we're, we're coming finally around to the fact that, you know, um, cultural leaders are important in terms of articulating our time. Um, you know, writers writing about our country is important and musicians too. You've seen that more and more. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, I think, I think everybody will just be fine. I hope so anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, cause I, I've traveled to Europe and I, I see how that sort of culture is, is, is completely different when mm-hmm. it comes to media. And, and when I went there, it was in the early two thousands playing music and it was seemed like we don't, they didn't care about image based stuff. Right. They didn't care about, trends you know mm-hmm. they didn't have much music they didn't have MTV, mtv and they didn't want it right because and i i think it's because they had an extra thousand years of culture yeah. you know what i mean they have sure. museums mm-hmm. and churches and things that have been there for five six hundred mm-hmm. years i just says an extra thousand years of dna you know what i mean like we're totally. relatively a new yeah it takes thing. time we're definitely old, you know we're old we come from different parts of the world mm-hmm. to come to canada but i, I just, for some reason it's like and my other one is because the Scorpions are there. They don't care about image. <laughs> they're there. The band, the Scorpions? The Scorpions. Right. They, they're old, ugly, and bald. Right. And, you know, <laughs> they still play the Megadome in Munich. God you know? bless them. God bless them. Amazing. Absolutely, right? So for a guy going across to Europe in, the, in his 30s, mm-hmm. it was sort of like, oh, this is refreshing. Because Canada was sort of knee-deep in that crazy, like, how the industry was going, which mm-hmm. is Napster and... Right. And, and, and sort of, we hadn't found our feet. And I'm 30 years old playing in Europe where I couldn't get arrested in Canada. I mean, yeah. did you, did Rios ever make it over to Europe? Just the UK. Yeah. But never, never on the continent. It's not the real Europe. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I remember going to Britain and going, yeah, I got to go back to Germany. It's more, uh, yeah. it's got it going on. Yeah. yeah. But you must have done travel, travel. and Of course. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of hockey stuff too over there, but, um, but not a lot of rock and roll. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's an it's a whole different world, you know. Are you gonna with the book tour? So you're going in Canada. Yes. Are you gonna go with states? Are you gonna? No, the book is not coming out in the states. Just in Canada for now. Mm-hmm. And I suppose if I get a publisher elsewhere, I'll go. I've been yeah. I've been with other books, so I've been all over really everywhere mm-hmm. with other books. So um, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I also uh, I think you know less travel. Is probably, I mean, famous last words, but <laughs> because well, I have a job, because we do this paper, and because it's, I do it, we do it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it keeps me pretty close to home, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I as I get older, I don't want to leave my house too. Yeah. I enjoy 
I have my kids, I have my bathroom, yeah. I have my, <laughs> sure. Know, it's my life, you know? Yeah. And, and to be able to sort of share yourself with all the people everywhere, it, it must get, it's time for you. you there's know? some, there's some trips like you kind of can't say no to. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, those, those you just have to, places you have to go to because you've never been before and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's okay. It's fun to work in the neighborhood too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, welcome. Like I said, I, you're, do, you're doing a show tonight. Yep. This actually is coming out tonight because it today Ooh. marks the 200th episode of, Amazing. of the podcast. Um, I've, I've asked you a lot of times to come on the show and I'm so glad that it worked out this way. And, you know, I, I know you're busy and I know you got lots of things to do. Uh, my wife was going to come, but she's sick. So mm-hmm. she's like, I don't want to cough throughout the whole because it's a reading, you know? Yes, that's true. Just wouldn't be cool. Coughing's okay. Where's the brewery from here? Close? It's not that far away. Cool. It's just, yeah, it's great. I'm pointing. Is it on this? <laughs> it's yeah. on this street. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's called, what brewery is it? Uh, the uh, Wedge. Uh, yeah. The, da, 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 the special se- secret wedge. Secret wedge. <laughs> it, I should know that because it's the brewery in my town. Um, I'm going to go there. I'm going to find go it. there. Well, yeah. I'll make sure that uh, I want to come and see it too because. I realize I don't think I've seen you. It's got to be almost fifteen, yeah, twenty years. Cool, easy. Yeah, well, yeah. Readings can be interesting. I try to make them as interesting as possible for people. You know. Yeah. Um, do you do like voices and stuff? No. Well, I will do a voice tonight, though. <laughs> you I think. Don't? Okay, yeah. cool. Right on. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. So, totally. so in the future, you're just going to keep writing books. In and... the future, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I have a play that I'm working on that maybe. Uh, might happen which mm-hmm. would be pretty fun um and our record's coming out in the spring so that self-released uh six shooter records nice okay yeah so yeah. that they're gonna do that um and then we'll see you have a title for the new reels record not really we have a few titles but yeah we don't know yet how many songs i think 14 wow yeah yeah we have 12 recorded and we might do two more we're just sort of figuring that out right now yeah so you've been doing peacemake then so it's not like you just do a little bit at a time. No, we did it. We did twelve songs. Yeah, yeah. But we might just pop in and do a couple more, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the industry now for recording is here. We are recording on an iPad, where I used to take everything in my van and set it up in a basement. I know. Yeah, record. yeah. We had it soon. Last time, well, yeah. it was a while ago. But we were on the did the CBC thing. Yep. We, who were you sitting in for on that? Do you remember? <sighs> I can't remember. It was the it was a Saturday night show. Yeah. And we pre-taped it. And uh, I remember I was like in like Regina yeah. traveling in my, with the studio yeah. when I heard what was happening. It's kind of a lost time in my life in terms of, because I think I, I entertained, I had been entertained in terms of doing some CBC work at some point, but I just didn't, in the end, I didn't want to take time away from other art I was making to do radio, right, right. to do radio. And there wasn't really, I would have loved to have done late night, I would have loved to to have done that you know, midnight to four o'clock uh, slot, but they decided to just do away with it entirely. Yeah, and I think that's what it was too. I'm sure it was an it was, overnight, yeah. Yeah, it was, because I remember it was very late and I was yeah. driving to Regina yeah. in the snow, I think. And that, yeah, it was very nice of you to bring me on that because that was the, an interesting thing for me. Yeah, well, yeah. no, and that's what the CBC really used to be super interesting yeah. at that time of the night, but for some reason they've decided to not go that way. And, um, you know, a lot of their programming even in the in the day is very conservative and safe and um it doesn't really seem to i like i mean i like the announcers the music mm-hmm. announcers but 
the program I think leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so there, there was never really a place for me and I'd, I'd, I, I discussed a lot of different shows with people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of the ideas really seemed to take off, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's okay. Too. That's good. I mean, you can't do everything. Absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. That's kind of what I was going to say. I mean, it didn't work out, but that's probably opened new doors for different yeah. directions. And that's sure, sure. being a, an artist and Canadian artist in particular, you sort of have to be adaptable. To yeah. Definitely. The surroundings is if you get pigeonholed or get thrown into a yep. to the corner, it's like it's a small industry. Like totally. I still run into people I did sound for, like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's such a small community. Like, do you do you find because you, you've been elsewhere? Do you find that in the states? Because I know they have the scene. They have a scene in the states. The scene I have no idea how it works. I think it's kind of everywhere. You know? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, for sure. Um, anytime you work in a city. <clears throat> excuse me you're gonna you're gonna you know you're gonna be yeah interacting with the same relatively the same group and mm-hmm. stuff and mm-hmm. and that's it's okay too it's yeah comforting. it's fine <laughs> totally totally fine way, yeah yeah well i appreciate you doing the show man i uh we sh- shouldn't do so much distance between our yes talks indeed thank you sir it's great to be here and that was the 200th episode mr david Dini. awesome and once again, I have to thank, I didn't thank him at the start, but Will, Mc, Will McGurk, thank you for hooking this up. Uh, couldn't have done it without you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Will McGurk is, he was on episode last week. Last week. He was on last week's episode. And uh, yeah, good times. Um, like to thank everybody for supporting the show over 200 episodes now. Um, it just doesn't seem to get tired. It, there's a lot of people to talk to. I start. I might start making more of an effort to deal with people that live in my town, because you know what? There's this town has got a lot of cool people, and it was made aware to me today by Will that there is a lot of people in my town that need to be known. So thanks so much for listening to the show. Hope 200 more are going to come your way. I can't even imagine what 400 episodes, but how that would that would look. I know what it looks like if I visually look at it. But after four years, you know, eight years of podcasting, I don't know, man, it's going to make me old. Maybe podcasts will be dead by then. Maybe we won't have electricity. Who knows? So, once again, we'll see you next week. I already have the new episode ready to go. It's going to be Greg Smith, who is the bass player of the band Lois Low, as well as the Weaker Vans, as well as John K. Sampson. He's a good soul. He's a good guy. He's on next week. So we'll see you again. Have a good one. I'll be here. Bye.